Talk Show. Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, where it may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast. This is podcast number 386. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my co-host, John White. New co-host today, John, welcome to the show. You're an SE from the Bay Area, and maybe that's not your correct title, but we'll let you get to, to explain us who you are, what you are. But we're really excited about this because John uh, brings you know, customer experience. He's out in the field. He's working on things. And uh, I'm really excited to have John in the studio with us today, our new co- co-host. John, why don't you say hello, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about what you do in the VMware ecosystem and what you do for VMware. Thanks a lot, Eric. Um, my name is John White. I'm a systems engineer. I cover enterprise accounts in the Bay Area, uh, about 30 accounts, named accounts. I came to VMware about 18 months ago from a distribution partner, Ingram Micro, and before that I was a uh, consultant and a customer as well. Thanks a lot for the warm welcome. Oh, great, great, great to have you with us on the, in the community space. I know, Corey Romero, you're on the call as well. I don't know if you're giving up your co-host slot, but I think so. But we'll just have you on all, all the time anyway, talk about the experts and what's going on. Yeah. We have Tommy Berry, Tommy Berry in the room as well. Corey, you know, I don't know if you're displaced or whether you've just we've just grown the community podcast to a larger community environment. I think we've we've just grown it. I I yeah, I, I think we've just grown it. Uh, welcome, John. <clears throat> excited to have you here. Really excited well, to be on the be on the pod, be on the podcast with you, Eric. Uh, yeah, I will be here on a weekly basis to talk about the expert. If we have any expert questions or topics or anything else, absolutely. We are in the new studio, so I'm sure we'll go through some bugs as we record this one today. So on the show today, we have VMware certifications with Carl Child. But before we get to Carl, I thought we would just do a little bit of the news. Uh, the only news I have is around VMworld. I believe that uh, early bird registration is still going on. We mentioned that uh, last week, and I think that closes... Uh, yeah, so early bird um, registration for U.S. is open through June 12th, and for Europe it's open through June 20th. Great. All right. Thanks, Tommy. And uh, at the same time, I heard that vSAN 6.6 went GA. Uh, I believe that's the case. John, is that the case? Yeah, that's right. vSAN 6.6. Uh, we announced the actual announcement last week, and I think that's what we covered in the last episode. And then as of yesterday, uh, we announced general availability, so the bits are available for download, everybody. Okay, great. Uh, I don't think I have anything else in the news. Happy to ask the community if they have any other news before we get into the show. Give everybody a second. I see that Tony is here. Thanks, Tony, for joining us. So, Carl Childs. Carl, welcome to the show. Yes. I. I didn't get a check to see if you've ever been on the show before. Sometimes I, I do a search on all the old episodes. Have you ever been with us before? And, and if you haven't, uh, welcome to the show. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself at the same time? Sure. So this is my first time. I have not been on the show. So thank you for the invite. Thank you for letting me get on. Um, I have, uh, so I'm Senior Manager of Certification Development, uh, basically, and it expands a little bit beyond the development um, we begin managing the program itself. I've been with VMware just over two years, a little bit over two years. I guess it's closer to two and a half now. Um, came over from Hewlett-Packard, where I was uh, managing and running some of the certifications over there. I was with Hewlett-Packard for probably oh, 
13 years, I think it was, 11 to 13 years. And uh, I have to do my math to figure out which one it was. But then uh, before that, I was uh, with Novell, so back in uh, uh, with some of the original certification programs uh, for a few years there. And I've done some different stints. I've worked um, primarily in the IT industry. My background really is in uh, education certification uh, on the business side, training development, that kind of thing. I just happen to have done that within IT for my career. One of the most interesting things I've done, though, is I was a consultant for that, working with a company that builds freeways and, and uh, lays cement. And I always thought that was interesting. You never know the science behind that until you get a little insight into it. It was kind of interesting. But, but that's a little bit about me. Um, that's great. Uh, you know, I love people that, that, that did some highway construction. There's, uh, there's always uh, something interesting to learn when you're, when you're doing that. 2017, we'll just start out with, what are some of your objectives for building certifications? Where are you at? Um, we'll spend a little bit of time just talking about what are you guys working on? Uh, we have so many different certifications. What's the elevator pitch for certifications in 2017? Yeah, and and I could even start maybe a little bit with uh, just in our very recent past, some of the things that we've been doing and, and uh, that leads up to some of the things that will be coming out in 2017. Uh, we've been doing a lot of, for me, kind of a theme um, with my team and a lot of the things that we've been doing behind the scenes. Um, there's been a lot of change, and it's all this change has all been for the point of, of trying to make it um, the program better uh, making it more accessible, making it uh, the, the higher quality of certifications for our candidates so that they can, and, and making things more timely even coming out with market. Uh, over the last couple of years, uh, when we came out with some version 6 certifications that were primarily aligned with our vSphere 6 products, some of our vRealize 6 products, our cloud products, and uh, and even, you know, NSX 6, there was kind of this uh, this nice sweet spot where a lot of things were aligned with version 6. A lot of the certifications that came out with that um, weren't as timely as we would have liked to have, um, and there were some different um, things that we can improvements that we saw. And so, a lot of the work in 2016 was getting those out there, um, or finishing up. There were some that released in 2015, 2016. We started to um, identify and work on all these changes that had to happen. And so, near the end of last year, um, and moving into this year, a lot of our focus on has, has been on um, really improving the way that we deliver our certifications and making sure that our footprint or our, our overall program is meeting the needs of our candidates out there. So looking forward in 2017, one of the things is this podcast is actually very timely. Um, on Monday, so two days ago, we just announced our new VCP 6.5 in data center virtualization. Uh, it's the first time we've had a certification that's come out on a .5 version. But the vSphere 6.5, it was, you know, it had enough new features and capabilities that it made sense to have something that aligned with that, that our candidates could earn and show that they have that uh, expertise within that, that product version. And so that's coming out. It was announced on Monday. Um, people can start to register for exams um, right now and take it. So it's a brand new certification. Um, as we get later on in the summer, our next level of certification, which is our advanced level, our VCAPs, um, for that track will also come out for the 6.5, as well as our um, next level of VCAPs, our next version of VCAPs for our cloud and our desktop areas. And so those will all be coming out um, here in uh, before v VMworld, really. Um, we're targeting for that, for a lot of our VCAPs to be out. Um, and so uh, 2017, we're starting to get things closer to a uh, better time to market and release, um, and also some of these improvements around um, making certifications um, 
or we, badges. I want to talk a little bit about badges too, but we have special ways for our candidates to show their expertise. So leading up to VMworld as well, uh, we're coming out with what's called our specialist badges, which is it's kind of an emphasis built on top of a certification to where someone can, for instance, in a storage area, you mentioned vSAN uh, with that new GA, um, someone can emphasize on storage build that on top of their VCP certification, which is which is more broad around data center uh, virtualization, and then um, and then be able to um, to show that share that badge, be able to show you know their clients, their customers, their partners, their organizations, whoever it is, um, their wives, their husbands, right? This is my uh, you know I have this expertise in this within this. So that'll be out of VMworld as well. Um, so 2017 is really around finishing up those changes, those improvements that we had, getting a better way to enable our candidates to show off their expertise and better prove um, on specific versions uh, or on the products that they, uh, that they do have that expertise on. Interesting. That, uh, I guess, I guess the, the, the question for this, you know, you know where, where I get to is, you know, what, what's the cost structure, like when I'm going to get my new certifications, do you guys have you know, targets for what a typical IT user would have to would have to spend per year, or you know, engage with. How do you manage? You know, given that our product set is expanding, and you take an individual IT you know community member that you know listens to this podcast. How are you guys managing? How much education is available, and how do I figure out what education I need to be at to kind of be current? Do you have guys have targets for number of hours we expect? a good certified person to be engaging with this content? Right. It, it, uh, we do. It really depends on what type of role that that individual is playing. Uh, for instance, if they're with a VMware partner that has some compliance requirements, they have to have a certain level of certification in order to get, um, you know, whether it's reimbursements or a certain pricing tier for the products that they resell, something like that. Um, there needs to be a uh, there. There is a certain uh, that VCP level requirement, um, and then there's a course that associated with that. It typically is a five-day course um, that uh, that that our candidates are required to take. Uh, that five days, usually over a year over year, it, it doesn't need to be repeated uh, as that requirement. But we recommend continuing training. Typically, goes about a five days per year is what we'd recommend to stay up to date and current. There's a lot, and I'm talking formal training. There's a lot of, you know, online training that you can do more um, asynchronously or just on your own time, you know, in little pieces here and there or, you know, as you, as you just keep up to date on products. But by, t by and typically five days a year is, is usually, usually reasonable for someone to steal away from their job, you know, every year to go through that formal training um, and, and take that, whether it's on demand or in actual classroom setting. Um, and so they're able to do that. The exam itself, prep time, um, usually it takes uh, about that same amount of time to truly prepare for exam. It really depends on how much hands-on experience you have in your day-to-day -day job um, with that technology to prep for that exam. And then the exams are, you know, 90 minutes. It depends on the level of exam. They could be anywhere from 90 minutes up to about three, three and a half hours or so for that exam. So, um, so just in, sense of in, in terms of the time that someone spends in prepping for a certification, that's about what it is um, at that first VCP level. I will say when you get up to VCDX, um, that one is our, that's our elite certification. That it requires someone to stand in front of a panel of people to pass. Uh, many of our candidates probably have heard about that or have seen people. It's a very small community right now. We only have about 230 plus um, people that have earned it. 
That one is a time consumer, I will tell you. <laughs> that one takes, some people have prepared for that for six months, a year, even longer, um, and have built up their, uh, their designs that they submit and, and get ready for that. So, so that was a little bit of an anomaly, but, uh, but other than that, it usually takes, you know, like I've mentioned, as far as the time on there. Um, and I, sorry, this oh, sorry. is John White again. I, I actually yeah. have a, a question that's bubbled up from the community, and, and it's, I think, a question, a critique couched in a question, right, which is um, why is it that we're requiring people to do classroom work uh, year over year at you know, multiple thousands of dollars a cost? And, and I get it, right? I've done it, and I understand the value, but, but maybe yeah. somebody who hasn't gone through it before, uh, maybe doesn't understand the value. Can, can you talk about what that value is? And then on yeah. the other side, when they have that certification, how we can add value to their experience of being a certified professional. Yeah. So, and, and this is a little bit of a unique requirement for VMware. There are other companies that require training, but more companies within the industry do not. Um, but we have found, and this is a requirement that was put in place, you know, when I got here. And so I looked at that and actually did ask that same question. You know, why is it that we require that and what is the value um, that we have for requiring that? And we have found that um, for those candidates that go in and they take a training, they're engaging with VMware. Um, if it's in a classroom setting, they're able to talk with some other um, professionals, but specifically even with the instructor, this expert there, um, find opportunities, way to create a network to provide that support, but also have that opportunity to really get their hands-on experience, that hands-on learning um, that they don't oftentimes in, in a lot of other ways. And there's a lot of value to that. We found that people that attend training have a much higher success rate of passing that exam than those that don't. And so it really is intended to enable, to better enable our candidates to not only increase their expertise, but to get that practice to better prepare, to truly show that expertise as they, as they uh, work towards the certification. And then it also shows, you know, once, once someone earns that certification, because that requirement was in place, it really shows, um, you know, when you talk to a customer or another partner or client or whoever it is, um, and are talking about your certification or showing that you have a certification, there's real meat behind that. There's, there's an understanding there, right, that I have gone through training. I really know my stuff. Not only have I taken the test and, uh, and done that, but I've had an opportunity to really um, sit within a class and receive that value that you mentioned, John, you know, that value from sitting in a class and receiving that training. Um, one of the changes that, I, that we did make um, shortly after I joined was that in the past, it was one specific course that you had to take, and that always didn't fit. Um, you know, some people, they're beyond that course. You know, they wanted to expand that already. We've opened it up so you really have a broader choice of courses to take uh, in order to have that, to, to gain that value from it, but also open up to what is most applicable to you as the individual um, so that they can take, you know, one of a number of courses that, that, that best fits and then, uh, and then still meet that requirement. So, so I do want to try... Um, there. Maybe that's better now. Um, I do want to try to understand. We're still make, tinkering in the lab here uh, or in the studio. Yeah. I, under, I want to understand, do I only have to take one class ever? That's the way it used to be. You had yep. to be, Before you could sit for exams, you had to take one official VMware class. And once you've taken that, I can go take as many certifications if I want to, if I want to self-train, have my home lab. Uh, you know, get trained. Is is that still the case? I think that's still still the case, right? It is. It is one and done. Yep. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, that. I mean, as long as you stay current, 
And right. I can talk about that too, the importance of staying current, but that's right. Right. So so you you've signed up for a class, you take one class. Maybe you're going to take another class five years from now, but you can go do all the certifications. So it's not a burden from right. a training dollar perspective. You still have to get trained. And one of the things that I struggle with is that as we've started to offer solutions for the SDDC, right, where you know you're going to learn network storage, uh, network configuration through NSX. You're going to get vSAN network, you know, storage configuration, and then you're going to get compute. Configuration and now we also have cloud, right? Where you have you know, Amazon. Now I have four different practices that I need to learn in order to quote implement it, the SDDC, right, and become an SDDC expert. And then the question is, well, then okay, if I want to build myself as an SDDC expert, how many of these certifications am I going to need to take, and how often am I going to need to take them in order to build myself as a current, up to speed SDDC branded? Person and the answer for me, at least the way I'm doing my math, is I got to take four per year because we're coming out with new products, you know, once a year, maybe once one point every 1.5 years, which means that I'm going to be starting to, you know, take, you know, maybe four, maybe four every other year. But and and these things, and then so that's what I see is I see possibly if I'm going to be an STDC expert, I'm going to need to be taking four of these, you know certifications uh, once every other year, and we then built this timeout mode for your certification. So once you're, you've gone two years, your certification is no longer valid, and you're not, quote, certified any longer. So I, I'm just wondering, is my math right? I'm going to be then taking um, four certifications every other year because these things time out every two years. Is that, is that math right? Um, almost, but and I think you're, you know, the sense of what you're saying is right. I mean, it's no secret that change is constant, right? That there's always updates, and there's always new things to learn, and and that's one of the things that we really are trying to give to our candidates when we talk about recertification um, or that timeout, you know, that you said where it expires within two years. We're really trying to drive um, that currency and that relevancy for our candidates. Um, to make sure that they, they can go out there and communicate and show that they're up to date. Um, the, the way that the expiration works is it is every two years um, when that expires, but every time you take an exam, for instance, say you're certified in the data center track, the vSphere track, right. um, sure. you know, a year later you earn your VCP in the, in the cloud track, it resets mm -hmm. your clock for every certification that you have. So you don't oh, have to that's be certified right. on every right. yeah on every right. four tracks every other year. Yeah. Right. So it, it will. I mean, I mean, to keep up to date on all the technologies and all those tracks, absolutely. That that is that is a mountain, right? But that, I, I think there. that's that's, but, that's news to me, and I'll add that to the conversation when I'm talking to people because what you're really saying is I should be in one of these practices every year. If I'm in one of these, if I'm doing a week-long training class, or if I just learn online, there's plenty of places you don't have to take the class, but sometimes you want to take the class because you're engaging with VMware a little tighter. But then I'm just, once a year, I can take a class, and then those certifications are constantly resetting. So then you know, maybe every other year, right. every third year, I'm getting to a rotation through. And, and maybe I'm not doing every one of these practices. I might just be an NSX and compute expert. I might not. You right. know, decide to go into cloud. So that, that makes a lot more sense. I like, I like that approach. I did not know that. And I'm not sure community members 
you know, that message has gone out that broad, but maybe they, maybe they are, are aware of that. So we'll make sure that we get that and message out. That's interesting. Thank you. And, yeah, and one of the things we're also, and one of the things we're looking at as well, um, looking forward here, and I don't have specifics around this, but we're also looking at other things that, um, that, that candidates typically do anyway that will also help reset that clock. So it may not even be something around, for instance, I mentioned badges, uh, and maybe some of these different, uh, what we're coming out with VMworld, they're going to be called specialist badges. So say there is that specific storage specialist badge, um, and you earn that badge, and it's, and it's built on top of your VCP already, that would also reset your clock. And so that's not, uh, and that isn't in place today, but that's some of the things that we're looking at, those kind of examples, to help keep our people relevant, keep them up to date, but don't make it, you know, like the, the scenario you described at first, right, such a burden that it just becomes impossible. That's not what we want either, by any means. Well, it definitely makes sense. I mean, but timing out is certainly inconvenient for somebody who's gone through the, the time and expense of becoming a certified professional. But, you know, then again, if we're certifying someone as a certified professional, for example, the last time they took an install configure managed class was um, in the 4.0 days. They don't have any hands-on experience with PSAN. They don't have any hands-on experience with any of the, the modern virtual networking. Uh, right. Can't really position that person as a up-to-date, current certified professional, and that right. almost dilutes the value for someone who went through all that yesterday. Right. And that's, that's absolutely right. And that is one the reason why we um, require for someone that hasn't been certified for first-time candidates that are earning their exam, and I know this question was asked too, um, if they've taken an older course but they're trying to sit the exam for a newer version, the course requirement does have to be with that same version. And it's exactly to that point that you're talking about, so that it is relevant. We can show with the certification that this person has taken the most relevant training. And that is for that first-time candidate. Like I said before, once you've got that certification, you know the, the training is not required anymore. But always recommend it, but it's not required anymore. Did I hear and understand correctly when you when you first opened up that um, for 6.5 is going to be the first 6.x version that has a specific dot version to the VCP. So there's a, a VCP 6, and if someone took uh, you know VCP 6 under the 6.0 release. And 6.2 came out; they were still fine. They were VCP six, but but now there's going to be a VCP 6.5. Is that my understanding yep. of what you said? It is, yeah. And and we'll continue to to look at the products. You know, anytime there's a dot X release, we may not come out the certification. Some some of them don't warrant it, right? There's not enough change. With with vSphere 6.5, there was there was enough change that we thought it was worth it coming out, and we wanted to reflect that. It was interesting. We um, uh, back in with VCP5, when vSphere 5.5 came out, uh, we actually had a new exam that was updated. And we will do that. We'll come out with exams that are more up to date. But um, we came out with a vSphere 5.5 exam. People would take that. It did not change their certification. It was still a VCP5 certification. But any time, and this was just you know about when I joined, right, the time I joined the company, any time I talked to people, they would always refer to themselves as, I'm a VCP55 or a 550, which was the number of the exam. And I would think that that's really not the certification. That was one of the reasons people like to show off, you know, say, hey, I am an expert. I've proven by taking the exam that I am, you know, up to date that I have this version of expertise. And so that was one of the reasons, too, we wanted to have this come out so that, so that people officially can really share that they are up to date on that 6.5. And somebody who's the current VCP6, all they would need to do is take the Delta exam. They don't need to go right. to 
again, it's just, right. it's just correct. Right. right. Yep. Just the Delta exam. Are you guys getting into the security market? Are we going to see some security training coming up, and you know, maybe a certification on security? Because I know that you know, as we continue to move into hybrid cloud, security becomes more and more interesting, and we've seen a lot of security features come across each of the products, but it's kind of like, uh, I assume there's going to be new security features in each of the new product certifications. Just wondering if we're thinking about maybe focusing on some kind of class that brings it all together. Yeah, there is. We're actually looking at that. Um, I've been talking about that for our uh, specialist badge. For, for, and again, that, that specific area, that technology that we can show off. Um, you know, someone that has that with a badge. So it hasn't been, um, so it, it's in investigation, I should say, right now, is where that's at. No concrete plans on what that will look like or when that will come out, but it is an area we're looking at. Storage, yeah, operations, I, security, um, those are kind of the three key areas that we've been looking at. Nice, nice. Getting into classes, um, where, where, what's your, what's the, the, where do I need to go to get classes? How broad are we? Are we in Europe? Are we in APJ? If I'm, I'm looking to take training classes, where do I have to go currently? So if you go out there, we are, by the way, we are in all the regions. We actually have on-staff um, instructors that are uh, in all regions that deliver classes as well as contract. Uh, VCIs and third-party uh, instructors, authorized training centers um, within all three regions and in, in, in pretty much most countries. So there are opportunities available there. Um, it will differ depending on which class it is. The classes that are associated with certifications are going to be more popular, and they're a little bit easier to find. Sometimes some of the um, little bit more you know unique classes sometimes are harder to schedule. But if you go out there to the, in fact, if you go out to vmware.com/certification um, or slash education, it'll come up with a page. Uh, that you could filter over on the right-hand side of that bar, you'll see there's either an education link or it will say, um, I can't remember, I don't have it open, but it'll say something about um, looking by product or by technology, and you can start filter on there, and it will come up with, uh, with which training is available in your area. You can just sort through that and, and find those. And it'll also show you which different types of training. Some training is in classroom, some is on demand. You can just download and do in your own time, um, and others are remote. Uh, it's still a live class, but you can log in remotely and take that class. It'll show you all those different options. Carl, you just mentioned the on-demand training, and I, I found that especially interesting. It seems like about two years ago, a vast majority of the, the initial install, configure, manage classes became available on demand for people who maybe couldn't take the time off work, you know, 40 hours or a week straight, maybe wanted to work with some of that stuff. You know, four to eight hours on a weekend, you know, six weekends in a row, something along those lines. I certainly didn't do the math in my head correctly there. But, you know, is that a commitment going forward that types of classes are going to be available? And, and what about expanded to, like, maybe the, the full portfolio? Yeah, it, it's definitely the plans to offer more and more opportunity that way through on-demand. I will say, um, so for the last, you know, even couple decades, and even back when I was going to school, there was always this conversation about how classroom training is going to go away because technology is going to allow us to, you know, to do that. It's still not. I really don't, you know, I, I, I foresee that there will still be, at least in the, you know, the midterm future, next couple decades, whatever, there still will be um, classroom training offered as well for those that prefer that or, or um, need to do that. Uh, but the on-demand will for sure expand. There will be more and more opportunities around that. 
Can I ask about the on-demand? Does, does that come with maybe like a, an office hours um, offering or something along those lines? Like one of the benefits that we just talked about of the, the in-classroom training is the ability to, to sit with that, you know, really highly skilled instructor, you know, kind of shoulder and going, oh, you, you know, here's the mistake that you made. With an on-demand offering, you're, you're missing some of that, but is there a way to, to mitigate that with like an office hours type you know, Q&A session? Is um, and in fact, there is a a program right now, and I'm not to be honest, I'm not quite as familiar with the details on it. Um, but there's an offering that that does just that. It's basically like an instructor office hours, an opportunity for for uh, for attendees for students to be able to spend some time. Um, not only I, I'm not sure if it's one on one with the instructor, but at least in a group to be able to ask those questions. There's also um, the remote classroom that I talked about, uh, if, if that's, you know, if you're unable to go to a class but that's, the, that's what you need and want is that interaction and that time with the instructor, um, you can look for which classes offer remote classroom and that basically is a live class. It's just you're just, you know, on your computer and you're all in your home, right, or in your office versus in the classroom. And so that can provide some of that as well. Right, you didn't have to commute to the classroom. I, in my right. personal actually, I, I had to pay for my own class the first time I took a VCP class and, and commute like 90 minutes to the... To the we, we do have a question that's coming in on the chat, so Nashers, why don't you, why don't you uh, take a moment and ask your question. Okay, uh, can you hear me? We can hear you, yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I have two questions now. Uh, On-demand training, why has it been dropped to 30 days from 45? Because I'm about to sign up for one of these courses, but... I'm going to be hard pushed to do 15 modules on Horizon 7 in 30 days. I mean, I know it's a five-day course, but I'm supposed to do it in my own time, and yet, man, you know, right. effectively an hour a night, because 30 days is all gone. In fact, I've got to do more than an hour a night. Yeah, and 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 honestly, I don't know all the discussions, decisions of what that, of why that changed like that. But it does come down to different licensing opportunities for that, um, where we were able to introduce some things like an enterprise learning subscription um, and some broader with the learning zone that includes some of the on-demand access um, to to get that. So they actually have like a year's time, for instance, with some licensing opportunities, licensing options um, to have access to those more long-term. Um, and so I think that had to do with some of that changing. It's just as they, as the different licensing terms were swizzled around to provide um, more access to other, you know, to different larger companies and and uh, different individuals. Just, I think but it I, makes I, mean, it, I think it makes it very restrictive for people to sign up for these because the time limit for me is the biggest biggest holdup. You know, trying to find time in in the thirty day period where I've got I know you know pretty much without having a week off work, it's very difficult okay. to or at least it's very difficult to fit that in. So. I think you're losing take up because of that. Okay. Uh, but that's just my observations on it. That's good. I've spoken to yeah. others. I've, no, it's good I've observation. It, and people agree that the timing is not good. So. 40 hours and 30 days instead of 40 hours and 45 days. It's probably yeah. good feedback to take away. You know? yeah. yeah. And then the, the, yep. the feedback that I, I also throw in there is that it just seems like for the last five years, I've been here now 11 years, every year it gets more difficult. Every decision that the education team seems to make seems to be more restrictive, more, you know, less, less freedom, 
a little bit more of the hey, we're going. First, there was no timeouts. Then there were timeouts. But you know, then we we go online. But it's you know, it's we're gonna we're gonna tighten that up. We're gonna tighten this up. We're gonna make this a little bit. And I don't know if it's intentional, but it just seems like as I've sat back and watched, and maybe it's because we're a bigger co co company now and we have more products. I just think that you know there might be you know I'd love to see you know a lot of community feedback going. Wow, education really did something great here, right? Um, and I, maybe people don't complain about the things that are really great, so it's, it's hard to say for sure. Whether, you know, we just hear the sweet mm -hmm. feels when people don't like things, but that's the only feedback I give. You know, and I think Nash has got it right, which is um, Nash. What's your real name? I'm just Andy Nash. Here, Andy Nash. Andy Nash. Andy. Okay, Andy. That's right. Okay. Um, Sorry, Andy. I, yeah. Uh, okay. So that's what that's what I said. Did you have Did you have a second follow up question there? Another question. Yeah. Another question for. Uh, uh, Not another question for uh, Carl. Uh, I, where does Airwatch fit into this? I mean, I'm Airwatch certified. Uh, would it, are we, do you think Airwatch certification will become a line to like BCA and BCP maybe at some point? We are right now. We're going to be migrating the the AirWatch certifications into our badge program. So there will be it kind of puts it within our infrastructure the way we deliver exams. So we'll be awarding badges for that. Um, and then we're currently looking at as we look at our desktop track, um, and we look at some of those products like the Identity Manager and the um, yeah, you know, and just well how it relates to Rise and stuff, and it's figuring out what is the right blend. Right now, there's a very minimal blend of some of the AirWatch products in that desktop. We need to find out what that right blend is so that we can include it within that certification. Um, and that's what we'll be, we're kind of looking at now and figuring that out. But short term, uh, they're coming over as badges to be okay. able to, to have this and, and be able to log in with your you know, certification manager and look at your badges and share that transcript and all that kind of stuff. I'll take the badge. That's, that's a free thing. Yeah. That's quite good. I'm already certified. I gain a badge. Okay, that's cool. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Good. I think Tommy Barry here had a question. You might want to, you know. Yeah. Hey, Carl. This is Tommy. Um, I'm the social media manager here at VMware, and I'm just wondering how can people connect with uh, you and your team on social media? Do you have um, different accounts on different platforms? How can we plug in on social for all things education and certifications at VMware? Great question, and uh, and you're probably going to shoot me because I don't know the exact tags, but <laughs> we do have <laughs> Facebook accounts, we have Twitter accounts, um, and we have, and, and a lot of times people um, connect with us through Twitter. Uh, in fact, I've got to look that up real quick so I can share that with you because I don't know off the top of my head, but um, uh, which I know as a social media manager, you're shaking your head at me, but I'll look that up here. Um, and we have, uh, and then there's of course email. You can always email, you know, certification at vmware.com. But that's more of just if there's issues or, or specific questions. Um, but we do have a blog site. If you go out to um, just blogs.vmware.com/education, uh, this blog. A lot of times we do announcements. We talk about changes in a program. This blog is where that comes up, and you can sort of search through that blog and find last, um, you know, recent posting or past postings on there. Use that blog as a source of truth is one of my recommendations for the community. Um, use that blog. That's where you'll get the most latest and up-to-date and the most current um, program decisions. There, We do have, just on our website, we do have policy pages that describe the program. But it's where the blog, those announcements come in. Um, and then as you want to uh, share you know, on the Twitter handle, you can do that. Um, 
get there. And then we also have, uh, for VCDX specifically, we also have a, a specific um, vcdx.com. Uh, if you go out to that page, it shows the directory. It also gives you an opportunity to reach out to other members of the community within VCDX. Um, they're actually, every single VCDX gets listed on that directory page. Uh, several of them have even put them their um, contact information or have volunteered to be mentors. And you can reach out as well on there. Um, and there's hashtag uh, VCDX that you can uh, also integrate or, or become involved with, uh, with that on Twitter. Okay. Yeah, great. Thank you, Carl. Yeah, because I know a, a few months back when there was the, the pricing increase with the VCDX, and then this week with the 6.5 certification announcement, just a lot of people were uh, Matt mentioning the VMware account, um, and they were trying to get in touch with the certification team, trying to get clarification. So um, it's just great to know that the education team does have a Twitter account. You can reach out um, to them, and you know I think there's actually a real person behind that account who will answer your questions. There is. Thank you. There is. And it's at, it's at VMware Education. That's the handle for Twitter. Great. So we're pimping VMworld. We always pimp VMworld. You know, Reg is out there. Um, I know you guys do testing at VMworld. I assume that's going to happen again. Anything new there that anybody that, that we should think about you know, for, for whether we you know, convince our boss to let us go to VMworld so that we can catch up on our certs? Uh, what's going on there? Anything? Isn't there a boot camp? Yeah. Yeah, so we do. We'll have our uh, VMware Education Lounge. We call it. It's up in the VMware Village. You can you can visit that, and, and there's different classes that we offer there. There's actually um, shortened. We've been talking about the five day classes. We have shortened, condensed classes that you can take advantage of before the conference, um, or come and get just a small insight in that lounge to some of those classes. So there is some education that is happening in the in the event. Uh, if you need testing, we do offer 50% off testing at the event as well. So you can come and get you know half price, which uh, which bosses always like to hear, right? For to take your exam, um, and then uh, and then we also, as always, there's always you know different keys and good giveaways that you can get from there as well. Um, as you come and you show us, uh, and we can look it up, see which certifications you have. There's also special different gifts um, that we have for different levels of certification that you can get too, just to uh, just to help you know show our gratitude and our uh, our thanks too for those that are are uh, being certified. As well, but and then there's also an opportunity to network there. Just like the conference is right, but for education specific, uh, not only people like me there, different managers, but also uh, instructors. There's a whole cadre of instructors will be there. You can engage with them, ask them questions, sit down even one on one with them, uh, as well as the different program managers. A lot of good opportunities right. there too. John, John White, uh, start thinking about a question. I'll throw the mic to you. Um, <laughs> do you have one, or should I should I ask my next one? No, go ahead. Ask me All right. I, I, the, the next one is, um, you know, I I know we can't have this show without talking about uh, VCDX and VCDX price commitment. And I'll just throw out there that I, perf I, you know, there have been some in the social channels people complaining about. You know how much it's going to cost me now to to go through the VCDX. You know somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen thousand dollars by the time you add up everything you need to do for VCDX. I don't know, Carl, if you you guys are involved with that, but my personal opinion is in VCDX land, you get your VCDX once, you get your VCDX number. Um, it's going to cost you a lot, and it's a big commitment to do that. So I tend to not uh, think that the pricing concern is 
so important because really that's a, just a giant commitment to become a VCDX. And you know, it's one of those things where if you have to ask what the price is going to be, you're probably, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to think about commitment. I mean, I could see if it's like a hundred grand that, you know, people would come back and go, I can't afford a hundred thousand dollars. But in the case of getting your VCDX, it's a multi-year commitment. Um, it's one of those things that you get and you're numbered, right? So we have, we have 300 of them and that's all. So the fact that it might cost 10 or 15K over the course of that, that investment is, I, I think, not a big deal. But I wonder if you have any comments, thoughts, or is that part of your area? Have you guys heard some of that feedback? Uh, any, any kind of comment or you know, position you have, want to share it with us? That would yeah. be great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was something that we researched before we did, too. I mean, I went out to VCDXs. Those that have gotten it, I went out to VCAPs, um, you know, the prerequisite certification of VCDX, asked them. Um, did a lot of looking around in the industry to comparison, um, to comparative, the same type of certifications that require that same time, same type of work and investment, time investment. Um, and it really did come down to, you actually uh, phrased it really well, you nailed it pretty good, is as you look at the value that this certification represents within the community and the industry, there, there's really two sides of it. Uh, the first one is that value that it represents. Um, it, it, that, that cost of it better represents um, how much value that people that have their certification are bringing back to the community, to the industry as a whole. It helps us better communicate. One of the requests that we constantly get is, is help uh, not only hiring managers and that type of people, but help our partners, our customers, our, our, these companies out there, help them understand the value that a VCDX has. Uh, and having that price reflective of the value that that certification has helps with that message, helps to show that it really is something of value. So it helps to make it um, comparatively equal to other similar certifications in the industry. Um, but the other side of that is, is, of course, growing and maintaining and administering and building a certification program requires an incredible amount of ongoing investment. I think more than people probably um, really realize until you get into the weeds of it. And there are things that we want to do with the VCDX program to better um, message and market it and grow it that we have not been able to do. This price increase helps us do that. It helps us do things like um, support the infrastructure behind it. Uh, I mentioned the marketing thing, right? It helps us actually get out there and get the VCDX um, create more awareness around it of what these people really can do once they earn it, how much business and how much influence and how much productivity and efficiencies, you know, that they really know how to drive. Um, helps us get that message out to the right people. So I'll break in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't believe that increase is going to really help people achieve that certification, though. You want to grow the, grow the numbers, but that hike, people aren't, people aren't going to be interested in the community, it, people I've spoken to. It's one of the questions that I asked um, as I went out to that community that I mentioned is, is what is, how much can you bear to cost pay, right? What, what do you think it would be worth paying for this certification? Uh, and frankly, we got recommendations to go even higher <laughs> and uh, to go because the value was, was that much worth it. We even got some people that were saying that um, even though the VCDX, you know, when I first got it, didn't give me, the uh, the promotion, you know, or the increase in raise, just the path of earning that VCDX was so worth it. You know, it helped me immensely just in my own career and that kind of thing. And so, um, so we actually asked that question. We recognize that it it can create a barrier for some. Absolutely, I, I don't want to discount that it doesn't because it does. Um, yeah. You know, the cost cost is expensive, right? There is a cost for it. Um, and so, it will so, create so do a we know what is the, what is the price? Do we know what the price actually is here? 
Yeah, so so we're still honoring some of our current pricing um, right now through the next couple of sessions. But the the new price, it's to apply, it's nine ninety five. These are these are U.S. dollars, uh, nine ninety five, and then the defense is three thousand. So it's about so total, it's about four thousand for the VCDX, just under you know, okay. five bucks under. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So I can absolutely understand the cost of that exam too, because first of all, you know, we're promoting it as a a high value, I mean, these are high value individuals once they have that knowledge. And in order to do a defense of a VCDX uh, design, you're asking three VCDXs to sit in the room and listen to the design. Like, read the design ahead of time, grill the person, and then go back and make a decision. So the, the time investment from three VCDXs to grill a prospective VCDX, I mean, that's a pretty significant cost of doing, running the exam. But I think what you mentioned, which was really interesting, was the investment from VMware to then turn around and promote that VCDX brand. And, and right. I think everybody in the marketplace knows what a CCIE is, right? And but I think that um, I think comparatively, the VCDX brand is weak. Um, not that reputation right. is weak, but that the brand and its recognition and the value yep. that it brings is not. Good. Yeah. So I think. Is that what the idea of turning those extra funds to promote that brand is? It is. That that's it is. That and like so that that has been the number one request that we always get, and something we're always trying to do. And that that really is the goal of any certification program. But this helps us enable to do exactly that. Because you're right. I mean, I can't argue that, right? I'd I want the VCDX to be much more recognizable than it is. It does not have that cachet yet of a CCIE or or the CCAR is really what it more equates to with Cisco as far as the requirements go. Anyway. But, that's where we want to get it. So, so I'll, put, I'll just put this on the record as well. So for the VCDX program, is it a profit center or is it a break-even or is it a cost that we, we, we invest more money than we're actually deriving from the, the revenue we get from, from the activities that VCDX participate in? Education overall is a profit center. And the certification program is too. For the VCDX specifically, uh, I'm trying to manage it as a break-even. Right, so I think that's the other point to make is that uh, VMware is not sitting around going, okay, let's raise these prices because you know we want to try to pull another ten percent profit out of the VCDX program. I think that's a break-even one, right? Uh, that right. is VMworld. There are certain programs we run that we just try to set break-even, and then we're always balancing what we invest in versus how much it costs. Um, the other thing that I that I have to ask myself is, so how much money does an average VCDX draw in per year? You know, I, you know, the last time I checked, it's you know, you know, it's well into the six figures, 180 to 200 thousand a year. So if you're talking, you know, what percentage of cost would that be on your gross revenue? Uh, and then if you have that VCDX brand, you know, do you pick up an extra? You know, let's see, if I was making 180, uh, that would be one percent. So maybe two, two and a half percent. Does the VCDX brand get you two and a half percent over the course of? three or four years, or maybe even five years, because this brand lasts a long time. I just look at that e equation and I go, uh, you know, somebody that's having a hard time paying for a 4K investment for this brand, you know, either you're living somewhere really, really, you know, that you don't make enough money, uh, or I don't know, because most of the guys that I know that are working in this space are making 180 to 200, and I just don't see why that's a big deal for them. Here, here. We actually... 200, right? 
Right. Let's, we don't want to cap their incomes at 200k. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there are many more that have figured out how to run blogs and 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 share components. Where I know these guys are making you know half a million a year. Right. Um, so it, it can happen. So or I, principals in the company, or right, they become right. you know partners in a, yeah. in a service provider. I mean. it, exactly. So uh, yeah, for me, I just look at this and go, I, I don't understand. You know, and everybody I talk to when I drill down on them and they go, well, yeah, you know, yeah, they don't want to spend money, right? But, but that's, in, in a sense, I, I complain because a Whopper went to $6 instead of $4. But the reality is I look at how much money I made now versus what I made when I was in high school buying Whoppers for $4 versus what now, right? And you got to kind of look at that and go like, okay, how much money am I making? And has the price shifted in relative to what I'm making? And the answer usually is, oh, I'm way ahead, right? Anyway. Not that I'm opinionated or anything on the subject. When we have guests come on and I'm, I don't like the guests or think they're doing something wrong, as you can hear from our VMUG conversation a couple episodes ago, I'm perfectly willing to also go after a guest. But in this case, I just, I just don't see the value. But go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I was just say we we actually did a survey I did with all of our current VCDXs just under a year ago and asked some of those questions too about what the value was that they got out of it and some of their pricing and, and you're you're right on the head as far as the the average salary and some of those and then you have the outliers you know that some are lower and some are higher but um, that's pretty much right on the head and that's where I got when I was talking earlier too about some of the value behind it and the the, the results that they got not just from the salary. But just in their uh, increase in, in their own confidence and what they're able to do with their companies and their efficiencies and what they learned, several of them pulled that out as a benefit that was well worth that money as well. And, and granted, it was cheaper for them, right? But, um, but there was that value behind it for sure. So, Carl, this is John White again. The, the counterpoint is, of course, what's the value to VMware to have more PCD access in the world, right? So, um, it could be argued, you know, from VMware's point of view that. We need more PCDXs, and and somebody again, not you, but somebody above you should be you know, running the uh, yeah. running the program at a loss in order to, to get more VCDXs, which would get more business for VMware and more penetration and uh, you know, design, right. huge data designs, right? But, but then we, we step we step back and go, but we do have these lower certifications Absolutely. that 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 do that kind of activity. How many VCTs do we have out there, right? right. Um, we have, you know, thousands of VCTs, right? So the question is, is the VCTX high-end brand that we're only going to have less than X number? And that's, I think that's the positioning. Sure. Yeah. And, and I could tell you, so we do have growth targets for certifications, right, just like any business would. For v, and v, this is another area where VCTX is a little bit of an anomaly. I do not have a specific number target for BCDX or a target that I have to meet and to grow to enable it. Um, I want to grow the program because that does help to get that message out. We're talking about creating awareness. It does help that, um, but there's no way that we're going to lower the, uh, the the standard of what a VCDX is to just to get more people in there too. We want to still maintain that those that have earned the VCDX have still met that high bar and can really prove that they are, you know, that they have that, that expertise because they are who they say they are. And so, um, and so what that number will eventually grow to, I don't know because of that, you know, but, but I definitely want to grow that program to create broader awareness and broader influence that these VCDXs bring to our industry. 
Well, we're coming up court, uh, at 15 minutes after the hour. I know we, we, we spent 15 minutes getting started, and we had a you know, reboot on the audio there for five minutes. So I want to be respectful of time. So maybe we'll, we'll give this another few more minutes, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with the podcast. This should be right around an hour. We'll do some edits to clean out some of the, some of the, the comments and stuff that we were doing while we were having audio problems. Uh, what else should we want to focus on in the last few minutes here? Anybody in the community or anybody here in the, in the, in the roundtable room have last thoughts or questions, Carl, before we wrap up? Um, yeah, this is Tommy. Carl, I, I have one last question for you. Um, you blogged about some of the behind-the-scenes um, improvements to the program. So what are they, and how do you think they, they help the program? Yeah, and I, I've mentioned, thanks, Tommy, I've, I've mentioned a couple of these a little bit. Uh, the last blog um, that talked about this was around our beta exams uh, and the way that we may be able to look at uh, the way that we develop our exams to bring the quality up and also to bring the market earlier. Uh, and that's really what it comes down to is not only being able to deliver um, more, I'll use a big word, <laughs> psychometrically sound exams so that they're really testing, um, better testing uh, the, the skills that we want to validate someone on, uh, but being able to get them quicker after product releases, quicker to market, uh, as well as enabling them for more areas of the world. Uh, we have some, especially with some of our lab exams. Um, we, we've had some delivery issues. We're, we're solving those as well um, and, getting, and getting those. those. A lot of those different fixes are things that people don't see, you know, the community doesn't see. Um, but they're enabling those things I just talked about, you know, quicker to market, um, better delivery, and then more accessibility around the world. Um, betas, changing the way we did our betas was one of those things. You'll see some of those things that come up. Um, even if you look in the past year or two years, um, it seems like it used to be at one point you had to register for an exam or, or, or ask for authorization for an exam, wait up to 24, sometimes 48 hours before you got that permission to then register for an exam. Um, that's gone. That was one of those efficiencies that we created. And I, I, there was reasons why it was there in the first place, but it was crazy. <laughs> got rid of that. Um, so you, you can just register for exams right away, single sign-on so that you can go through your transcripts, share that, look at your um, certifications, your transcripts, be able to see what comes next, you know, that kind of thing. Single sign-on helps. Um, and even just our certification manager tool. So different things like that that are behind the scenes, but are really making it easier for our candidates to not only get certified to find out what they need to be certified, but then share that certification out there. And that's one thing the badges really, really help too. Um, immediate sharing. You, you asked before, Tommy, about social media. Um, with our badges, what you get when you get certified as well, um, as well as these other specialist badges, these unique badges, um, you can instantly share those on, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and, and put that out there. And people can then click on that badge and come back and see specifically what you had to do, as well as link out to dynamic market data to show which you know, it covers a certain skill this badge does. It shows which of those skills are most relevant in the market today. Um, it, it actually is dynamic market data to links back to. So it, it's pretty cool how it works um, that you can share some. So those types of things to just make it better and better for our candidates. All right. Excellent. Okay, so uh, great. Thanks, Tommy, for that last question. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up there. No one else seemed to be on the line. We'll just say a couple things like if you want to, again, follow them at VMware Education or uh, at VMware VCP or at VMware Edu. Uh, they have some Twitter handles. You can, uh, you, can, you can go tweet at them, and I know that they have somebody monitoring and will engage with you. So uh, give them a follow and you know, continue to give them their, the feedback. I think everybody's listening. 
Uh, Carl, it's great to have you on the show. Any last words from you that uh, you want to communicate to the audience before we wrap up the call? Um, just, just one thing. I mentioned the blog earlier. Uh, coming up here in the next week or so, I'm not sure exactly the day, uh, there will be a new blog entry that talks about, uh, we've been talking a lot about the value behind certification. We went out and we did a survey. Uh, this blog is going to talk about what our actual VMware candidates, so there, there's a lot of third-party certification studies, right, to show the, the, the uh, value of certification. This is one we went to our own audience. You're, you'll see the results of that. They actually were, were pleasing to us. They were actually a little bit more positive than we expected, um, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, go out there and look at that. Uh, look for that blog. It'll be real. I think it'll be something of value. Okay. Good. All right. Um, great. All right. Well, thanks again uh, for being on the show. Uh, Andy Nash, thanks for asking some questions and others who ask questions. We appreciate that. It's supposed to be a community roundtable. Uh, John White, thanks for being here. We're looking forward to having you, you know, uh, co-host every every time. So appreciate that. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, not not a first time dial in, but a first time in studio for me. Um, I just a quick plug. I, I Twitter at bjourneyman, and I blog at uh, bjourneyman.com. Bjourneyman. That's it. All right, fantastic. All right, well, guys, a great podcast. Sorry it's been a little bit rough. We'll work on some of the, the tech stuff. We have these nice four boom mics that we're using now, plus a, a load balancing equalizer, all that, all that for audio. We're going to uh, work on making sure that we do these smooth. Uh, Carl, thanks for putting up with us while we debug some of the stuff. We're going to edit it so that we'll, we'll bring this back down to an hour and, and, and publish it, which is most of where the listeners are. And, again, this is the community uh, VMware Community Roundtable Podcast. Thanks a lot for being here. Uh, Tommy, who's on the show next week? Yeah, sure. So our Cloud Native Apps team is out in Austin this week uh, at DockerCon, but they're coming back, and they'll be on the show next week to talk about uh, vSphere Integrated Containers uh, v1.1. Fantastic. vSphere Integrated Containers 1.1 next week. Shout out to everybody at... Uh, at DockerCon, I know they're all working, and I believe that Tim Bonneman's out there engaging also for the code program. So thanks for doing all that hard work, and we'll see you again next week.